evening, everybody. We got to start. The longer I wait, the more stuff goes wrong with me. My ears got all stopped up again while I was standing here. My microphone didn't work. Uh, it's thundering and storming outside. Yep. Yeah, maybe that'll cut down some of this fire danger. The other day I had to go home because the whole hill was on fire on the other side of the road from me. Had the fire department up there and they burning trash, my neighbor was, and it got out, of, thought it was out, and it wasn't, and it burned the whole side of his hill off. He said, hey, what have you been up to? I said, I had to come home because you got the whole hill on fire. <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, I do thank you for the wonderful services that we've had today and for all the good and loving people here tonight. Father, I pray that you'll bless this teaching tonight and let us all learn and grow from it. And Father, I pray that you'll bless this church and its ministry, Lord, as we seek to do your will in our community. Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about Mary here. And I had a book about Mary that I plan to use for a reference as I've done this. And then uh, lost in the move. Couldn't find my Mary book. And so I just had to look around and gather some stuff up. So this might be a little disjointed. Not quite the way I wanted it, but we'll cover some ground here. The main thing is I want us to think. A lot of this stuff, especially surrounding the birth of Jesus, there's stuff in the Bible, then there's a bunch of stuff that people have added to the stories over the last 2,000 years. And no one's a bigger victim of that than Mary is. So we're going to discuss some beliefs tonight, some beliefs that other churches and other denominations have a little bit. And also what we think about Mary. So everyone be prepared to speak up here tonight. What do we know about Mary, the mother of Jesus? And what does scripture say about her? When you actually get in there and you start looking at every verse that mentions her, or every verse where she speaks, or every verse that she's involved with, it's not much. There's not a large canon about she, Mary. She was betrothed to Joseph. You know, they done planned marriages back in them days. They did what? Had planned marriages, planned marriages. from the time Remember they were children. Remember my ears stopped up. From folks. the time they were children on up, you know. A lot of countries still have that now. So we're going to discuss what a child is here in a little bit, too. I'm glad we got some younger people here tonight. To continue on what I started this morning, Barrett, about what a child is. We know even less about Joseph. We'll talk about him a little bit too, but the biblical canon on him is even smaller than on Mary. As a matter of fact, most of what we know or think we know about Mary and about Joseph too is extra biblical. Stuff that doesn't even appear in the Bible that people have come up with. And there's a word I use to apply to these things, myths. I think these are myths about Mary and Joseph. So you got to be careful. There's a lot of myths that I learned when I was a kid that I've, some of them I've been challenged on before in this church. And I thought I knew right where it was at in the Bible and got there and went to reading and it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> so, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Anyone know who this is? You'll never guess, but I'll open it up for a guess. Who this might be in the Bible of a painting of here? I can't tell. Mary Magdalene. 
No, but that's pretty good close. That's pretty good guess. Name-wise, it's actually fairly close. This is Miriam. Okay? Miriam. Who's Miriam? In the Old Testament, who's Miriam? Miriam, well, have y'all ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments? Miriam is the older sister of Moses and Aaron. Whenever they take the, build the basket out of reeds and put the baby in it and put it in the Nile River, Miriam follows down in the reeds watching to see what happens to the basket with the baby in it, right? She's the one who follows Moses in the basket in the Nile, and she's the one that whenever Pharaoh's daughter takes the basket out, she comes up and offers her mother, who is also the baby's mother, as a wet nurse for the found baby. So in New Testament times, in the first century, what languages did they speak commonly in Judea? So that's what they called Israel back then. The Romans called what we call Israel their province of Judea. Okay? What languages did they speak? Well, some had Hebrew. I don't know where they Okay? Were. So the formal Jewish language was Hebrew. That's right. What else? Aramaic. Aramaic. That's right. What else? What did the Romans speak? What? Greek. Latin. 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 But everybody spoke Greek. Okay? Latin was what they spoke in Italy, and that was the official language of the Roman Empire. But the one language that everybody tried to learn all across that Mediterranean area was Greek. Okay? Hebrew was what they spoke in church. Aramaic was their common language. So if we were all first century Jewish people, we would sit around and talk in Aramaic, okay? This is all going to come to a point here in a minute, I promise. So what they did was Old Testament names that are in Hebrew would be changed in the Aramaic. It'd be a little bit different way of saying it, okay? And then the Greek would be a little bit different way of saying it after that. Okay? So this is Miriam. In Aramaic, Miriam is pronounced Miriam. Okay? And then when you translate it from Aramaic to Greek, it's Mary. So Mary, Jesus' mother, has a very common Jewish name. She's, after, she's named after the great prophetess from the times of Moses and the Exodus, Miriam. She was a protector of Moses. And Moses, of course, was a deliverer. And he delivered Israel out of Egypt. What about Joseph? Joseph doesn't change. Right, you can look at it. Yeshu and all these things. There's a way to say it in Hebrew and stuff. But Joseph didn't really change. Who was Joseph in the Old Testament? Don't let me down. He's my favorite Old Testament character. He's the son 
of Israel, of Jacob, who stowed down in the dry well by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, spends all this time in prison, gets out, gets put over the official Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife accuses him of bad behavior. He gets thrown back in prison again. He spends all this time there. Finally, he comes out. He interprets the Pharaoh's dreams, and he becomes governor, vizier is the word they use, over all of Egypt. He's the most powerful man in the world. Because Pharaoh says that you'll be uh, over everything in Egypt except the throne. So in day-to-day activity, Joseph is the most powerful man in the world. Why is that important? They have seven years when what happens? Demon. Huh? Demon. Demon. Well, I can't pronounce it. Why? Yeah, the first. The first seven years are good. bumper crops every year. The cattle are fat. They all have calves. All the heifers have cows every year. Everything's going great. Then the next seven years, you can't grow nothing. There's drought all over the land. There's famine. The cows are skinny and dying. But Joseph, because he was smart and he was governor, he put back the stores from the seven bountiful years. And so he saved the world. Because everybody would have starved to death except they could go to Egypt and buy food, okay? So Joseph is a protector, too, and a deliverer. So both Mary and Joseph, their names in the Old Testament are tied to deliverer characters back then, deliverer narratives. While we're talking about names, who is this, do you think? This is an Old Testament hero here. Who's the big Old Testament warrior hero? Look, he's leading a bunch of people. Looks like he's leading them into a new country. Joshua. Joshua. That's right. Perfect. Great answer. If I had a piece of candy, I'd chuck it over your way. Joshua led the people into the promised land. He led the children of Israel into the promised land. Yeshua is the Aramaic form of Joshua. And then when you take Yeshua and translate it into Greek, you get Jesus. Jesus' name was Joshua. So the three main characters in the birth story, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, were Mary and Joe and their boy Josh. We think about Jesus. We'd never name our kids Jesus, would we? Yeah. And you see Hispanic people named Jesus. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, first time I ever saw a baseball card that had the name Jesus in it for a Hispanic <laughs> baseball player. And I was asking my friends, who names their kid Jesus? And they're like, oh, that's Jesus, man. You're so stupid. Right? We wouldn't name our kids Jesus. But if you did, really, you're just naming him Joshua. Okay? Y'all remember that Joshua movie? Y'all don't remember. We used to have this movie back here on DVD we would watch on Wednesday night sometimes. And it was Joshua. It was called, anybody ever seen that movie? It's about this carpenter who comes to town. The town's real run down and the church is about to close. And he starts doing this uh, carpentry work there and carving this stuff and telling people all this good news and stuff. And it's Jesus, right? 
but it's Joshua. And uh, so that's what you got to think of here. It wasn't like there's some outrageous name that they picked to call him Jesus. Common name for a man born in very common circumstances. This is the way many of us see Mary today. Right? This is Mary and her immaculate heart. If you go to Catholic churches, this is the kind of statuary and stuff that you'll see there. See Mary's heart? The Roman church has elevated Mary to a position that I don't think she was ever intended to be in. Some Catholics believe that Mary is the co-redemptrix. Y'all ever heard that title before? I was telling Sammy that title this morning when we were going to eat. She was about ready to run us off in a ditch, I think, because I kept telling her stuff like this. Co-redemptrix means that some Catholics believe that Mary plays a role in a person's salvation just like Jesus does. Okay? There's an old uh, gospel track they used to have, and it was called, Why is Mary Crying? And it explained how all this stuff was. So Mary can be prayed to for forgiveness of sins and salvation, some people believe. Now, I don't know a lot about this, uh, but they also believe that Mary was also conceived uh, by a virgin. Okay, Y'all ever heard the term immaculate conception? The immaculate conception doesn't refer to Jesus. The immaculate conception refers to Mary. And the reason they want to say that Mary was also conceived by a virgin is because that takes away any possibility that she was tainted by original sin. See? Because uh, most of us believe in uh, original sin and depravity. You know, even in your mother's womb, you're a sinner. But they say that that's brought by the way a baby is conceived. That's how they get this stain of uh, original sin on them. So if Mary has an, uh, came from an immaculate conception, she never had any original sin, which keeps her beyond the concept of total depravity because she doesn't have a sin nature. I think, go ahead. I did say that. Oh, you po kind of pointed at me. I thought she was going to read me the right act here. I think that a lot of times, and I don't know much about Catholic faith, okay? There's a lot of it that I admire, but I think they put too much emphasis on Mary. And I think since the Reformation, a lot of us have put too little emphasis on Mary. We need to recognize her, though, for who she was in the uh, great individual contribution that she made to the world and to all of us. In the song that I read this morning during the preaching, the Magnificat, Mary sang that she would be blessed among all women. And she's certainly that. She knew that even before his birth, Jesus would be taken away from her. What kind of knowledge is that to have? Losing a child is a terrible thing. What if you knew you were going to lose your child from the instant you knew you were expecting them? Look at, I'm going to read Luke chapter 1 here, start with verse 26. I'm going to read 26 through 28. 
I'm going to be mostly in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1 when I read scripture stuff. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. Mary and Joseph were both descended from the house of David. All right? You ever wonder why it gives genealogies for Mary and Joseph both if Joseph is not Jesus' real dad? I've asked this question to myself a thousand times. As y'all are not Bible geeky as I am about some of this stuff. Joseph's line comes through King Solomon from David. There was a king that was of Israel that was descended from Solomon. His name was Jeconias. He was so evil that all of his descendants were blocked from ever ruling in Israel again. Here's what the Bible says. Write this man down as childless, for none of his descendants shall prosper. None shall sit on the throne of David or rule any more in Judah. But Mary, Mary is descended from a different line from David. Mary comes through Solomon's younger brother, Nathan, who was named after the great prophet. Her family's line was not blocked from the throne. So what this shows is Mary and Joseph were both descended from the line of David, but because of Joseph, his line being blocked, that no child of his could ever become king over Israel the way that Jesus did. But among but from Mary's side of the family, he could. So Mary became blessed among all women. Verse 29, 29 through 33. But when she saw him, this is when she saw the angel Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and to his kingdom there will be no end. So Gabriel here, he gives Mary some pretty shocking promises. He just appears. You know, it says she was troubled at his saying and considered what kind of, what manner of greeting this was. So if an angel comes to your house knocks on the door and lets himself in, are you going to consider that ought to be a strange event in the first place? That's pretty strange, I would think. But the way that says it is, well, Mary thought, well, this is a strange greeting for the archangel Gabriel to give me whenever he comes in my house. She had found special favor with God. She's going to have a baby. This is shocking news to her, too, because she's not fully married. He was to be named after Joshua, who led the people into the promised land. He would be called great, the son of the most high God. He would restore and rule from the throne of David, and his kingdom 
would have no end. <clears throat> Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? This was the youngest looking picture I could, painting I could find of Mary here. How old was Mary? Just didn't want to know. <clears throat> I'm asking you if you know. <clears throat> huh? Fourteen. Fourteen? That's your guess? Well, I don't know where I got it at, but I got it. Well, that's fine. Man. There's no right or wrong answer here. I'm guessing. Throw her out there. Fourteen. But she looks young there. What else? Twenty. Twenty. Okay. Anybody else? You want to hear my guess? Twelve. Twelve is my guess. That's why I want you to stand up, Barrett. I'm still going to tease you about that. Twelve years old. So she's betrothed to Joseph. What does that mean, betrothed? Engaged. Promised. Promised. Okay. Anybody else? It means married to, but don't mean all the way married to. They were okay? promised since birth, wasn't they? I don't they, know. They would be betrothed to one another. I don't know. It doesn't say that. It says that they were betrothed. So they had a process for getting married back then. When you became betrothed, that was a ceremony that you had. And you could do that when you were 12 years old as long as you were 13 before you got married. And usually they waited a year to get married. So if you got betrothed when you were 12, because you'd been promised for years and years before that, right? Your marriage had been arranged like y'all were talking about a while ago. If that was the case, when you turned 12, you became betrothed. When you turned 13, you had your bar mitzvah and your bat mitzvah for the girl. You became an official man and woman in the community. Then you could get married. You had to have your bat mitzvah to be made a woman before you could be married, but not before you could be betrothed. How old do you think Joseph was? Well, we'll come to that here in another slide or so. One more slide. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to ruin my little right. questions here. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I did not know a man? Always took that to mean that, that Mary was a virgin, right? But you know, it might also mean that she wasn't old enough, too, if she's 12 years old, right? How old was Joseph? There's the next slide. Look at him in that picture there. Oh, he's wide-headed, isn't he? Yeah, and marrying a 12-year-old. See, who, who, who comes up with this idea? So, how old do you think Joseph was? Don't look at this picture and tell me. Just give me a guess. 34. What? 34. 34. That's an interesting number right there. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Anybody else? I'm thinking 13 is what I'm thinking. Why do you think that? Why? I just things you read. Yeah. Huh? Things you read. In the Bible? 
No, it really didn't say in the Bible. No, it doesn't say in the Bible. That's right. It didn't say Mary was 12 year old either. That's right. That's right. So that's why I'm telling you what I think. And you can tell me what you think. That's what I think. He was older than that. (laughs) You think he was this old? No, it was 50. What? You think that looks 50? I think that looks 85. <laughs> 50, I'm 53. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Some churches jump through a lot of hoops to explain this. I think it's 60. 60? She's looking at the picture, which is probably a self-portrait of the artist. What they're trying to do sometimes is explain that Joseph couldn't possibly be the father because he was incapable of being the father. And also, Jesus had brothers and sisters. So if Jesus has brothers and sisters, there's only two possible answers, right? That Mary and Joseph had other children or one of them was married before, right? So we know Mary wasn't married before because she was a virgin. So if you're going to claim that, you got to claim that Joseph was a widower. Okay? So that's what some churches say. And that he had much older children from his previous marriage. Also, what this conveniently lets you do, Norma, is kill him off early from old age. Right? Joseph disappears very early in this story, right? From the time when Jesus is 12 years old when they go to the temple to present him, yeah. Uh, yeah. Joseph is not mentioned after that in the Bible, right? Yeah. If your belief requires that Mary be a perpetual virgin, you have to explain that some way, knowing that Jesus has brothers and sisters. And so there's well, kind they of... they could have been born after he yeah, was that's born. That's the way I think, born. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. He was the firstborn. Then after Joseph and Mary married, they had more children. That's right. That's what I think too. Yeah. But we don't require Mary to be a perpetual virgin here. To be the way she had Jesus, I think she had to be. Well, the Bible tells you she had no other way it could be done. I don't understand what you're saying now. She don't understand what you're saying. So... Mary was a virgin whenever Jesus was born, yeah. but had other kids later is what you're saying, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying too. Yeah. But all that is speculation. In my opinion, in my heart, Joseph and Mary are close to the same age. So you remember that in a traditional Jewish marriage of the time, people would become betrothed, and then about a year later they would get married. And in that year the groom would build a room on his parents' house for him and his wife to live in, okay? And so after they were married, he would take her home to his parents' house, and that's where they would live. Now, I always thought, well, you know, I can kind of see this, although I see a lot of you women there shaking your head because you don't want to go live at your mother-in-law's house, Okay. I see that kind of thing popping up over, especially on this side of the room. But guess what? If they're 13 years old, they don't need to be living out on their own, do they? 
They need to be living in the parents' house, right? But there wasn't no nursing homes back then either, were there? The whole family was like it used to be around here. Folks cared for folks. Everybody lived right here close together. When people got too old to do, the people that could took care of them. They didn't have anywhere for them to go. They took care of them, and they took care of the younger together. And the family took care of the family. Average age of death in the Roman Empire. Okay, This is a true statistic right here. What is the average age that a person died at in the Roman Empire? Look at Joseph here. Oh, 400 years. 40 or 50 years. 40 or 50 years? How long people live back then is the question I'm asking. Maybe about 90s and 100. Okay. No, they live longer than that. 120. 120 in Roman times. Julius Caesar, 2,000 years ago, people lived to be 120 years old. Okay. Well, everybody makes a guess. 35 is the answer. Sam was right on that. 35 was the average age of death in the Roman Empire. So if you're 20 years old when you get married, and you're going to die when you're 35 years old, how long you got to raise a family in between there? This is why people got married when they was 13 years old. Okay? Because if you're only going to live to be 35, you got to get your kids raised up. you got to get your kids had and get them raised up. Plus, the infant mortality rate was sky high back then, too. So you might have 10 kids to get two or three that grow to adulthood, right? And all that takes time. Here's what I put in my notes. If you're 20 when you get married, you ain't got long to raise a family. <laughs> I don't think it's as near as funny as I do. Look here at Mary and Joseph. That's what I like. A good upper class renaissance Mary and Joseph there. Look at that nice beard Joseph's rocking. Well, I know they didn't have, uh, what is it, uh, touch of gray back then. Oh, yeah, well, that's right. Because while ago, who was holding the baby, he had gray hair and now he's got black hair. <laughs> yep. Look at Jesus' dog hair. I guarantee he's well-trained. Jesus has got a bird in his hand. Here in this picture. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read here. <clears throat> this is uh, starting with verse 1. After his mother was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, or maybe righteous man, if you like to say it that way, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Joseph was a righteous man. Alright. What does that mean? That's what I was gonna ask you. What, Sam? My question's really not relevant, but who's the artist? I don't remember. I had to look it up for you. It was someone I'd never heard of before. Okay, because it don't look right to me. 
Joseph was a righteous man. This means that he was respected in the community as being someone who closely followed the law of Moses. Okay? Reputation, like I said in preaching this morning, was everything back then. And Joseph had a reputation as a righteous man. The word in Hebrew is Sadiq, all right? T-Z-A-D-I-K. He was a Sadiq. That's a class of people who are known and respected in the community for closely following the law of Moses. So Joseph, even if he's young, 13, 14, 15, however old he is, he's got a standing in the community. He's a tradesman. He's a trained carpenter. He's a man. He's been raised up to be a man in the community. People know that he follows the law as closely as he can, so he has respect. And, of course, once he becomes a man, he's been admitted to the synagogue as a man. Joseph's not a drifter, okay? He's a coming young man in the community in Nazareth. And he's betrothed, or engaged, if you want to call it that, to Mary. So when Mary tells Joseph that she's inspecting, expecting, if I said inspecting, expecting, she's pregnant, he decides that since he's a righteous man, he would do the righteous thing and divorce her. Remember I told you all that they were kind of married a while ago? See, they're more than engaged. They're legally married. They just haven't been through the final ceremony yet. Okay? He has to divorce her. He can't just break off the engagement. So he's a righteous man who follows the law. He says, someone has been committing adultery here. I'm going to set her aside is the way some people try and say it. Betrothal was a legal marriage, but not a complete marriage. And usually there's a one-year waiting period in between. Why is there a one-year waiting period in between? Okay, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. That's not the answer I'm looking for. The answer I'm looking for is there couldn't have been any funny business going on before they got engaged. Because if they wait a year and there's a baby coming no one knew about, it's going to be here, right? Joseph could have accused Mary of adultery, grabbed her by the hair of her head, and dragged her down to the city gates in front of the elders of the city and put her on trial for adultery. Okay? It was within his right to do that as her husband. Or he could have simply written out a divorce paper and given it to Mary in front of two witnesses, okay? That would have been the quiet way to do it. And that's what it's talking about here. He decides that he's going to put her away quietly. You know why you have to have two witnesses? Whenever you give your wife the divorce papers, because the law of Moses, remember Jesus gets on to the Pharisees for this. He says, you tell people that all you have to do to get, Moses allowed you to divorce, and it's too easy. All you do is write down on the paper and give it to them. That's what Joseph could have done here. 
but you had to have two witnesses. The reason you had two witnesses was later Mary could have come back and said, well, he didn't ever divorce me. I hadn't seen any paper. But if there's two witnesses, she can't say that. So that's why they required two witnesses in that way. There's an interesting debate used to be around this, not so much anymore. How could Joseph be a righteous man and still divorce his wife? So they tried to jump through some more hoops and use words like put her away. Well, now Jesus wouldn't pick Joseph out if he wasn't a righteous man. What? Jesus wouldn't pick, uh, wouldn't pick Joseph out if he wasn't a righteous man. I agree with that. What I'm saying is people say that divorce is always wrong. People who say that, they say, how can he be a righteous man and still divorce his wife? That was the argument. In the 19th century, evidently, divorce was really frowned upon. And so scholars had tried to use this word put away, translate to Greek, instead of translating the word divorce, and say it was a permanent legal separation. That it wasn't really a divorce. It was a permanent separation. But then, back in the 40s, guess what they found? The Dead Sea Scrolls. Y'all know the Dead Sea Scrolls? It was all these jars that this kid found in a cave in a place called Qumran, right? And it had all these papers in it. Some of it's scripture, some of it's not. One of them was a divorce paper. And so they looked at the word that was used on there, and it was the same word that's used in Matthew here for divorce. So people couldn't claim that it meant permanent separation anymore. Use the same word Matthew's gospel did. Okay, let's move on to this. This is the world's greatest marble sculpture. Anyone wants to wrestle over that? Come on up here. That is the world's greatest marble sculpture right there. That's called the Pieta. It's called, uh, carved by Michelangelo. It's in uh, St. Peter's Basilica in the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vatican. Right across from Peter's tomb, okay? I could look at this forever, probably. That was one piece of marble, and that was inside of it he found. Is that supposed to be Jesus? It is. That's Jesus after he's come down off the cross, and that's Mary holding him in her lap. Look at Mary's left hand. Look how big it is. That's the thing people always point out about this. To make the scale right, he had to make her left hand far larger than it would be in proportion to the rest of her body. Look at the folds in her robe. Does that not look like cloth? Yeah. That's solid marble. How long did it take him to do it? Less than two years. Like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Michelangelo was quite the genius, okay? And, uh, you know, painter, sculptor, everything. Yeah, he painted that too. The ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. There, yeah, on the scaffold. Laid on his back up there. There's a, y'all ever go to Crystal Bridges? Crystal Bridges Museum in Fayetteville? 
All right, yeah, or wherever it's at there, you need to go. Yeah, it's got all these works of art in it. And there is a painting that they have there by my favorite modern artist, Mark Rothko. <laughs> and I could sit and look at that painting all day, couldn't I, Sam? She goes around and looks at all the other stuff, and I said, they've got a bench in front of it. I sit there and look at that painting the whole time. I never get tired of looking at it. You know how much they paid for that painting? $25 million. You know what it is? It's two blocks of color. Color. It's a yellow and an orange reddish light. One big block here and one big block here. And it's incredible. You just have to look at it. It takes your breath away to look at it. $25 million for painting two blocks on a canvas, Megan. You run home and get you some canvases and go to painting. Yes. <laughs> That's all it was, blocks. It's just it's just two big piece swatches of color. Yeah. Yeah, pull it up there. We'll show it after church. What is it supposed to represent? Well, whatever you want it to, Lester. <laughs> whatever you need it to. How old is Mary in this carving? She's young, though, isn't she? How's Jesus in this carving? 33. That's right. So that would make Mary how old? Depending on whatever y'all guess she was whenever Jesus was born. 45. Maybe. Unless you thought she was 35 whenever he was born. That'd make her 68 or some such. The early church fathers claimed that Mary outlived Jesus by 11 years. That would have put her in her late 50s if you believe that she died. Do y'all believe that Mary died? Yeah. Catholic Church doesn't believe that. Catholic Church believes that Mary was assumed into heaven. Y'all know those fruitcakes that I order? It's from Assumption Abbey. That's where it gets its name from. That Mary was assumed into heaven because she had never sinned, so she never tasted death. No scriptural basis for that. Let me read Acts chapter 1 to you. Talk about Jesus going up into heaven. When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then you skip down a little bit in this chapter, and it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem, from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, that's James the Lesser, my favorite uh, uh, disciple, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. 
These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. An angel announced Jesus' coming and his departure. 